Lots of things change in popular culture, and it can be hard to keep up with it all. But as the old saying goes, the more things change, the more they stay the same. And so it is with female pop singers, whom I suspect we will likely have with us until the end of time, whenever that happens to be. Hey everyone, Adam Holtz here, your host of The Plugged In Show, focused on the family's weekly conversation about entertainment, pop culture, and technology. Thanks for joining us today. Well, today, Kristen Smith, Paul A.C., and Jonathan McKee are joining me to talk about some of the biggest, most popular female singers out there. And we're going to touch on some of the themes and worldviews found in four singers' songs and albums. We're going to look at Olivia Rodrigo, Dua Lipa, Billie Eilish, and Ariana Grande. In our second segment, we're going to talk about a curious film on Apple TV Plus that focuses on one of the last guys on Earth, his robot, and his dog. And if you're thinking, you know, that sounds like a perfect role for Tom Hanks, ding, 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 (laughs) you get a prize. (laughs) And of course, we know you are looking forward to another awesome installment of Culture Countdown. Well, we're going to talk about pop singers today, everyone. What is your favorite song by a female pop singer from when you were growing up? So I don't want something from six months ago. I want something from like 50 years ago or, or fewer in Kristen's case. I can't wait okay. to hear Paul's answer. You I just know, can't wait to hear Paul's answer. Whenever you ask these questions, <laughs> I can hear the audience just saying, man, Paul is old because all my all my answers always stem from well, the dawn of time. Well, let's prove it. Go on. All right. All right. No, what's yours? I can't wait. Do you have one? Okay. Mine would be Cindy Lauper, of course. Oh, yeah. which one? True Colors. I really oh. dug. I thought I thought True Colors was oh, very nice. Very nice. My daughters love True Colors. You know, Cindy Lauper never got the credit that she deserved. No. She had a great voice. She was oh. fun. She was lively. She just wanted to have fun. Actually, she just wanted to have fun. By you, golly. You know, I sang that song in the eighth grade choir, and I remember thinking, this is such an old song. We're doing, the, <laughs> we're singing the oldies right now. And, That's uh, proving Paul's wow. point. All right, Whippersnapper, what's your <laughs> choice? <laughs> okay, I, I really wrestled here, and I didn't choose just a track. I chose the artist. So, okay, this is going to... I, if it was Christian music, it was Stacey Arico, because she was like the coolest and wasn't no, like I said more than lame. six months ago. What? Okay, that's growing up. And the other one was Hillary Duff because I wanted to be oh, her oh, growing Hillary up because she was just the greatest. And I like cut my hair like her and all the things. So anyway, right. that's it. Yeah. And, and you, did you see all her movies too? Uh, yeah. You actually kind of have a Hillary Duff. Someone told me that, and on. I wanted them to be my best friend for yeah, the rest you know of my what life. They tell me they didn't want to. They they tell me that they rem- I remind them of George from Seinfeld. Well, but honestly, that's another podcast and another icebreaker <laughs> for another time. Jonathan, what's uh, what's your pick today? Well, I'm just so excited that Paul actually said true colors uh you know because <laughs> did he steal yours um, that song was actually written by billy steinberg and tom kelly and nobody knows that oh uh, but good the only reason pool. the only reason i know that is because shortly before they wrote true colors they wrote a song called alone that the band heart picked up right and that was the song that i must say and i'm just revealing my oldness and nerdiness because yes well it was nice i learned how to play it. you're not that old oh my goodness man i i loved that song i learned how to play it in the piano i had no friends it was awesome <laughs> oh my gosh that was so sad yeah. so i would sit there and sing alone all right. 
Right. And did you like go and then do, you know, all by myself after that? <laughs> Absolutely. This Absolutely. is getting depressing. Yeah. yeah. Right. So um, my pick is uh, Magic by Olivia Newton-John from the Xanadu soundtrack. Oh, magic. Good one. In 1980. Good one. And someday when we need an entire bonus podcast that will go approximately 46 minutes, give or take, I will sing all ten songs on that soundtrack. Those by I've never Yellow, seen that. That and be... those by Olivia Newton-John, and you will never think of me the same again. But I'll just stop there because <laughs> that's not exactly where we're going. I'd listen today. to that podcast. You know, I'm I'm totally in favor of long podcasts. That is not a podcast I'd be in. Favor of. <laughs> Don't be a hater, Paul. Don't be a hater. Oh man, so glad we could have you uh, on this morning, Paul. <laughs> Well, we're talking about female pop singers today in part because of, of this kind of conversation, right? The songs that we hear when we're kids, and especially scientists even have shown why this is true, when we're tweens and teens and our brains are developing, um, we bond with those songs. And the singers that we identify with, whose songs go in, have an extraordinary influence in our lives. I can't say that there's very much music in the last 25 years that has changed the direction of my life. But when I think about the songs that I listened to, especially as a teenager, some of those I listened to thousands and thousands and thousands of times. And so, okay, maybe just thousands of times. That's a lot of thousands. <laughs> Nevertheless, every generation has new singers that come along. And every generation has an opportunity to influence the young people of that time. It makes me sound old to talk about the young people. But anyway, the, <laughs> that's what they are. They are young people. Uh. Uh, and I want to talk about four of the pop singers today that I think are exerting a tremendous cultural influence. So we're going to talk about Dua Lipa, Billie Eilish, Olivia Rodrigo, and Ariana Grande. And of those, Ariana Grande has been around the longest since she was on Nickelodeon, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, like 12 or 13 years ago and yeah. then parlayed that into a musical career. And now, of course, she's on The Voice. But I would say that actually gives her perhaps the biggest platform yeah, for sure. of anybody we're talking about. Um, Billie Eilish, we've touched on a little bit in the past on the podcast, but Dua Lipa and Olivia Rodrigo are two fresher faces and voices that I think are are having a pretty significant influence today. So we're going to just kind of have a freeform conversation about each of them, uh, what's good, what's bad, what parents need to know about them. Let's start with Olivia Rodrigo. What do we need to know about her? And Kristen, I'm going to pick on you maybe more than, <laughs> than our gentleman friends this morning because you're our, our go-to music person. So why don't you kick things off here for us? Okay, I'm going to try to keep this short and sweet. I would say Olivia Rodrigo, to sum up her music, is mostly about revenge and dysfunctional <laughs> relationships. Oh, so it's happy music. Um, yeah. But she's a teenager, right? She's a teenager. She's been on... I mean, Disney, I think a lot of people, that's probably where they're going to relate to her the most kids is they've seen her face, but she's not the only one. So as we go into all these other artists, you know, we have Dua Lipa, Billie Eilish, Ariana Grande, and Ariana Grande has roots on Nickelodeon. Um, and so you probably look at a lot of these young artists and if we take Olivia Rodrigo, for example, she, as she talks about revenge and dysfunctional relationships, she also drops a lot of harsh language. Yeah. Um, and I think I grew up with Taylor Swift. Which so is, the language is kind of surprising. It is very surprising in a way because she has this innocent kind of vibe. Yes, yes. Again, I, like I grew up with Taylor Swift, so not until recently has Taylor really started to use language in her music. And so it's definitely very 
reversed me as a 30 year old mom looking at these young artists who use it right off the bat. Um, and so someone like, okay, like Billie Eilish, for example, she does the same thing, mm-hmm. um, especially in her new super popular song. She uses harsh language. And so does Ariana Grande. Um, Dua Lipa a little less. Like I wouldn't say her language is super harsh, but all of these artists. Yeah. I mean, they talk about sex and prowess and relationships and depression and fun with friends and typically fun with friends means partying. Um, And so you'll have a lot like there is positive content here. Uh, Some of them talk about boundaries, seeking healthy relationships, wanting new habits, uh, forming friendships instead of dating. So I think you can find that littered throughout. But I think overwhelmingly there's also some litter. Yeah, there's also some litter. I think overwhelmingly you're looking at um, just problematic content that you're going to have to sift through more than I feel like I did as a kid. Well, and that leads me to my next question. I think even though it may sound and feel stereotypical for me to make this observation, it's safe, I think, to say that the vast majority of the lyrics here really revolve around romantic relationships uh, at some level, you know, whether it's the physical aspect of that or a breakup. Um, But what are some of the ideas and the values that show up uh, in these artists' songs with regard to how they think about relationships? In other words, what are the kind of messages that young listeners are going to be hearing over and over and over if they put their favorite Ariana Grande song on repeat? Well, it's, I feel like that's probably the greatest example to start with. I mean, <laughs> uh, a lot of it's going to revolve around like sex and how that is almost like a spiritual experience. And okay. as if it were the highest of goals. Um, I think she has a lot of songs, too, that really do talk about just wanting a special relationship with one person being so famous, wanting to get away from that. Um, but a lot of them really do talk about just the dysfunction that they've found in relationships or wanting to be with this one person in a kind of codependent way. Kristen, I can't agree more. And it's one of those things where our kids are now growing up with greater access to this stuff because most of them have their devices in their bedrooms. Most of them have Spotify where they can stream this stuff for free. And, you know, when you're listening to someone like Ariana Grande, who they grew up watching a Nickelodeon, but now is is not only, you know, dropping curse words left and right, just in the chorus of the song, or a song that might be more subtle, um, that like side to side, which you find out is about sex, you know? Um, and this is, makes it really tough on parents because they don't sometimes even understand, you know, what these songs mean because a lot of them are kind of like under the radar. Yeah. And, and this is where it's very tough navigation for moms and dads because I know for a lot of them, they used to say, okay, as long as the song isn't explicit. Well, if you look at the, I mean, the top songs on the chart at any given day, about half of them are explicit. So they have those explicit F words in the course or whatever. But the ones that aren't are very often something subtle like side to side where you're like, hmm. And every kid, I mean, the word gets out from the playground, you know, to recess or whatever, what the song is about very soon. Yeah. And uh, it's a different world our kids are growing up in and they're, they're growing up very fast they're hearing this stuff all the time. Even if they don't have it on their devices, it's on their friends' devices. So we as parents, we need to start you know, talking to our kids about what they're listening to and talking to them actually in a positive way about God's design for sex so they know the truth and they can recognize the lies. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Jonathan. And one of the things that I think about as we have this discussion is 
We talk often, it plugged in, about how entertainment can normalize certain behaviors. And I wonder sometimes whether music might be the greatest catalyst for that sort of normative behavior because these singers, they sing so personally, right? They deliver messages, like oh, Kristen yeah. was saying, that really hits to the core of a lot of their listeners. They say, I feel just like that. And so when they hear some of these negative messages, then they feel like, oh, if I feel this way, maybe this is the way I should act. Yeah. And music has a really interesting way of keeping you in an emotional state that you don't necessarily need to stay in. I mean, there's a ton of music that not until I really got to college and really had an encounter with the Lord did I start to let go of. And so much of it was tied to an emotional moment that I could go back to by listening Mm. to a song. And so now imagine if that's tied into a relationship or uh, a sexual moment. All of that has such a deep rooted position in your life and can speak really deeply, especially if it's on repeat. Well, and we hope that our kids are not having sexual moments in high school, right? I mean, I think that as a parent, you don't want your kids going there. And I think one of the issues with this music is it communicates as if it's a totally normal thing to wake up in your boyfriend's bed. And I want to hit the pause button and say, time out. You're 16, you know, I mean, and so what it does is it takes a very adult perspective and it transposes that into teenage dumb. And and what I think has changed, we've always had music, uh, you know, really since the late 60s and early 70s that pushed the boundaries in terms of suggestive content. That's not a new thing. But even when I was growing up, you know, if I rewind the clock to 1986, you had Tiffany and Debbie Gibson singing things that were maybe there was a tiny hint of suggestiveness, but you had Madonna singing like a virgin. And now we recognize that as really scandalous. But now everything is on that level and it it absolutely normalizes it. Well, and I'm going to say something that maybe some parents aren't going to even like because it's going to make them feel awkward here. But as you're talking about it, you said, wait, you're 16. Let's change that dialogue to be real for a second. Wait. You're 11. Yeah. Wait, you're 13. Yeah. And these kids are being inundated with this stuff. And uh, there's a brand new uh, screen time report that literally just came out and uh, talking about how through the pandemic screen time has doubled, literally doubled with and the primary age group that was targeted. There was about 12 and 13 year olds. And so we've got 12 and 13 year olds digesting this stuff and moms and dads. So many of us are scared and we think they aren't ready to talk about sex yet. No, they are absolutely ready. We need to talk with them about the truth. We need to open up God's word because God's word isn't afraid to talk about sex. So we shouldn't be afraid to talk about it either because we need to tell them the truth so that when they start hearing them talking about something else, they go, wait a second, that doesn't align with what I've been reading, which I know is the truth. But a lot of parents are scared. They think, man, I I don't want to talk to my 11 and 12 year olds about this. Okay, that's fine. If you don't, uh, Ariana Grande will. Your choice. I when I listened to music growing up, like I remember listening to Nelly when I was eleven. Hot in here, if anyone knows that song. Uh, <laughs> let's just talk about how that you know, right up there with Ariana Grande and everybody else. So yeah, it's nothing new as I hear and listen to this, except that I think they are introducing profanity in in more mainstream stuff a little earlier. But as far as the sexual content goes, that seems 
like it's been normalized for a long time. And so I think when I start to think about this, my husband grew up with basically no secular music at all. And that caused extreme rebellion. And I grew up kind of my parents care like we listened to Christian music for a while and then it almost is like as they had more kids <laughs> they were just like whatever um Nelly. so right so then i i think if i as a parent looking now at my children i think it's so important and we talk about this all the time but just to have open conversation because I raise my kids now. We don't just listen to Christian music, but I'm very strict on the messages that are coming through. Hmm. Um, I think you can find incredible music that's not labeled Christian that has really great messages that you can talk about. That's just my personal belief. But I think it's really important, like I said, to have that open conversation because I think growing up, hearing certain songs and track in the seventh and eighth grade, there were probably things that I wanted to ask my parents. I can think of very specific, very <laughs> profane songs. And I was nervous to talk about it, but I heard all of it. And I, like you said, Jonathan, I learned from friends at school what that meant. So it is important to have conversation. Yeah. And, and I want to use that as a segue into bringing our conversation here in for a landing today and just sort of pull out some of the principles that we've talked about. I think it's important for us as parents not to act as if the sky is falling here because our kids yeah. are just going to look at it, at us and roll their eyes. But I do think we need to be having this ongoing conversation like both Jonathan and Kristen and Paul were talking about that it becomes a normal thing to talk about the worldview and the ideas that are in play. And when we do that, we also have the ability to say, you know what, I understand why you're attracted to this song. And it goes for everything, right? It, you know, this video, this television show, this movie. But when we're in that conversation, we're not just flying in out of far right field and saying, no, that's from the devil. You can't do that. But no, we want to protect you and we want to help you think about this in a way that, that enables you to navigate it. Yeah, I would just add to that. I think what saturates your environment matters most. And I think for, you know, I have a four-year-old and he listens to, you know, whatever we have on in the house, but I hear him singing more often worship songs more often than not. Mm, and I, I love that. I would like to say that's a testament to my parenting, but he's only four. So we'll see. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think that's probably the most important part. What you surround yourself with the most has the most influence. Yep. And, and I want to say one other thing. I think that we see this elevation of of the physical and of intimacy in pop culture because God has largely been thrown out. And so there's a hunger for meaning. There's a hunger for relationship. There's a hunger for intimacy and transcendence. And I think even in the raunchiest song, not that we need to listen to that as an object lesson, but there's a longing to know and to be known. And as your kids get older, that's probably not a conversation you're having with them when they're 11, yeah. but when they're 16 and 17 or, you know, I, those are arbitrary ages, but as they mature, you can, the conversation can mature as well. Right. And we can talk about the deeper things that are in play. And again, what that models is that we have a worldview that is strong enough that we can engage with everything that the world throws at us. We don't have to be afraid of it. Mm -hmm. There are times that we choose to stay away from something because the message ultimately is destructive. Uh, and our desire at Plugged In is to be continually equipping you as a parent to know how to have those conversations so that you are doing that and that when your kids leave home, 
they have had practice in thinking and integrating their faith into the decisions they're making with regard to entertainment and technology. So I hope that you have enjoyed our conversation about each of these artists today. Uh, If you check out the episode notes for today's show, you will find links to all of the artists and multiple albums and songs that we have talked about today. In case you want to go deeper with them, we have that resource available for you at PluggedIn.com. Well, as I mentioned in our intro, in our second segment today, we are going to be talking about an interesting Tom Hanks movie called Finch. Paul, if I were a Finch, what would I be? Would I be a small, colorful bird? Or is there something else going on with the title here? What's going on in this story? If you were the Tom Hanks version of Finch, you would be a guy named Finch Weinberg. Ah, it's his name. His name. It's that not is a movie correct. about birds. That is correct. Finch is actually pretty much literally alone in the world. This is a post-apocalyptic story. Oh, I like it already. I know. I know. So, are there vampires? There are no vampires. Oh, okay. So but it's not like that Will Smith movie where there's vampires. No. Okay. No. There Go are ahead. some bad people, and there's a lot of dust. And there's super bad radiation because radiation is pounding down, and you can get a sunburn just like that. Anyway, Finch is pretty much alone in the world, He's, but he has this dog. He is the owner of this dog, who he pretty much calls Dog. He also Creative. has been impacted by the radiation that is bombarding the planet. Ooh, I don't like where this is going. No, no, poor Finch is dying, and he knows it. So it's like Old Yeller in reverse. And kind of, except that this one has robots. Okay, because, so how's that work? So Finch is this engineer. He worked at this very, very tech-savvy type of Engineering place. kind of place. Exactly. He was an inventor. He was an engineer. He is uh, an authority on AI, and he decides to create the greatest robot the world has ever seen, even though the world cannot see it. And he makes this robot in order to take care of his dog when he's gone. Are you serious? I am kidding not. It is so... Yeah, so it's really about Finch, his dog, and his robot named Jeff. The robot's name is Jeff? Yes. Jeff names himself. And so, essentially, <laughs> they, they, they go on this, on this cross-country trip to because there's a storm coming, and the storms in this particular town So it's are a buddy really road trip, post-apocalyptic dog and, and robot movie? Exactly, and Jeff is becoming self-aware, and so, in a sense, Finch is dad to this robot, trying to teach him the ways of life, trying to teach him how to be a good robot, teaching him how to drive, teaching him all the things that the robot, Jeff, will need to know when he is gone. It is To take care of the dog <laughs> named Dog? It is a really weird but curiously beautiful movie because it talks a lot about family and about caring and about what it means to live. Um, because both Finch and Jeff are learning about it in their own way. Man, you have sold me. <laughs> I have not seen this movie. You and I talked about it. I knew that you really liked it. It's streaming on Apple TV+. Plus. What's it rated and what content-wise, if somebody is intrigued by that premise, which I admit that I am, almost against my will, it's like, you know, Tom Hanks clones himself as a robot. That feels like cheating. (laughs) But uh, what do we need to know about 
you know, any content issues that might turn up here. So it is rated PG-13, and there are some problems that parents need to be aware of. There is some strong language used in places. You never get the strongest language. Uh, so medium strong. Medium strong. You do also have this scene where, where Tom Hanks, Finch, is sitting in a shower, essentially, and he is not clothed obviously, in the shower. he's You see him from the side, so that is something to be aware of. But beyond that, you're not really dealing with any violence. You're not dealing with any real sensual contact. Um, it's really just about these three characters trying to make their way in a really, really bad world. Very good. Well, if you want to learn more about Finch, you can check out Paul's full review at PluggedIn.com, and you'll find a link to that review in the episode notes for today's show. Well, now it's time for that part of the Plugged In show we call Culture Culture Countdown. Countdown. Jonathan, I'm going to pick on you. Are you ready to lead off our Culture Countdown today? I've never been so ready. I thought so. (laughs) I could feel it. I'm going to count you in. Here we go. Three, two, one, go. I'm staring at a JAMA pediatric study that just came out about screen time. And it talks about the fact that, of course, screen time, uh, excessive screen time in adolescence has been associated with mental and uh, physical health risks. And the short of it is that during, you know, the pandemic, screen time has literally doubled with this age group. And the age group I find fascinating, and it's because it was predominantly age 12 to 13. Previous studies we've seen have been oh, tweens. Oh, Jonathan. Oh, I will. More screen time. That's right. There we go. Find out more at the episode notes for today's show where you'll find a link to this story and all the rest of them we're going to talk about. Thank you, Jonathan. Yeah. I'm embarrassed for you, Jonathan. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> Thank you. It's all right. Paul can be embarrassed Don't for himself in just a minute. Watch out there. I'm embarrassed Kristen. you had so much to say, Jonathan. All right. I'm ready. <laughs> Three, two, one, go. Okay, so I've been pumped about the metaverse. Not pumped in a positive way, so probably the wrong word, but it's coming. Um, so... I was reading an article that talked about what really is going to be included in this. It's going to be an online virtual world that incorporates augmented reality, virtual reality, 3D holographic avatars, videos, and other means of communications. It's going to be a hyper-real alternative world for you to coexist in. So, welcome to the Matrix. Okay. Woo! You see how she did that? Yeah. She had approximately seven-tenths of a second left. But, oh, you man. know, the funny thing is, guys, we have timers on our own phones. If you don't know where that is, I'll show you after the show. But go ahead. <laughs> oh, I don't even try. <laughs> no, it's it's all, you know, it all works. It all works. Mr. AC. So Jonathan, I know this is your favorite. Jonathan is going to be making fun of me, actually, because mine is going to be super long. I can't wait. Super weird. And all right. But we'll go. I'm ready. We expect right. nothing. less. Three, two. <laughs> One, go. So you all are familiar with Elf on the Shelf, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure how many parents out there observe Elf on the Shelf, but if you live in Cobb County, Georgia, apparently you are not allowed to anymore. A judge has banned Elf on the Shelf because if parents miss a day where they're moving the elf around, it can really hurt kids' faith in the elf or something like that. <laughs> so he, he did say that if, if parents are really bonded... Uh, man, my man. mouth was on the floor for that entire story, Paul. <laughs> and if you want to find out about what happens with parents bonding with their children, 
check it out in the episode notes. All yeah, right. I tell you now, but I'm not allowed. Who wants to do the honors for me? I gotcha. You got me? All right. All right. Are you ready? I'm ready. You have 30 seconds. I'm ready. Three, <laughs> two, one. You guys know that I play guitar, and guitar recently has fallen on hard times until the pandemic, and something weird happened in the realm of unintended consequences. Guitar Center sold $2.5 billion worth of guitar gear last year, their best year ever because kids are at home playing guitar during the pandemic. So we may see a revival of rock music because of the pandemic and bored kids playing guitar at home. And as a guitar player, I think that's... You'll never know. Terrible. (laughs) Yeah, I guess we can just go full Mad Libs on that. You can fill in my sentence with whatever you want. So it sounds like guitar is really striking a good chord oh. with people. Oh. I cannot with you guys. Oh, man. Oh. You know, if you really like puns like that, <laughs> you should come to PluggedIn.com because Paul has lots of them in his- And he can pluck them out anytime he wants. Oh, They man. will reverberate in your soul. See, I can play it. Guys, if you have better puns than that, you should hit us up on Instagram and Facebook. I don't think it's going to be hard. And if you do, we would love to read them on this show. We would love that. And you can also get in touch with us via team at thepluggedinshow.com. And speaking of that, we heard from one of our listeners via Facebook this week. And I think our producer, Ashley, has that message for us. Yeah, Adam, this message is from Scott via Facebook. He writes, hey, team, I subscribed to your podcast last week and I'm working through the list. I enjoy listening to your perspectives. Today, I've been listening to the pair of podcasts dealing with video games. Love the show. Thanks so much for connecting with us, Scott. We love hearing how the podcast is helping you to deal with video games in your family. Well, as our thanks to everyone listening today for being a part of the Plugged In Show family, today for a gift of any amount, we would love to send you a copy of Paul Acey's book, Burning Bush 2.0, How Pop Culture Replaced the Prophet. You'll find a link to order that book in the episode notes for today's show, as well as on the Plugged In blog entry for our conversation. Or if you prefer, just give us a call at 800-A-FAMILY. Well, thank you so much for taking time to listen to what is happening in the world of popular culture today and how we dissected its influence on your family. We hope that it has given you something to think about, and we look forward to connecting with you again next week on another episode of The Plugged In Show. Plugged In.